You are listening to the audio podcast of the weekly message preached at Central United Methodist Church in Arlington, Virginia. You're invited to worship with us in person on Saturdays at 4.30 p.m. or virtually through Zoom or Facebook on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. Visit us at www.cumcballston.org. There you can learn more about our congregation and how we worship God, serve others, and embrace all. The reading today is from Hebrews eleven thirty-two through 12, 2. What more can I say? I would run out of time if I told you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephra, David, Samuel, and the prophets. Through faith, they conquered kingdoms, brought about justice, realized promises, shut the mouths of lions, put out raging fires, escaped from the edge of the sword, found strength and weakness, were mighty in war, and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured and refused to be released so they could gain a better resurrection. But others experienced public shame by being taunted and whipped. They were even put in chains and in prison. They were stoned to death. They were cut in two, and they died by being murdered with swords. They went around wearing the skins of sheep and goats, needy, oppressed, and mistreated. The world didn't deserve them. They wandered around in deserts, mountains, caves, and holes in the ground. All these peoples didn't receive what was promised, though they were given approval for their faith. God provided something better for us so they wouldn't be made perfect without us. So then, with endurance, let's also run the race that is laid out in front of us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Let's throw off any extra baggage, get rid of the sin that trips us up, and fix our eyes on Jesus, face, pioneer, and perfecter. He endured the cross, ignoring the shame for the sake of the joy that was laid out in front of him, and sat down in the right side of God's throne." The word of God for the people of God. Thanks Thanks be to God. Sure, this morning, Pat. So we're going to start the sermon with a pop quiz. Think back to your senior year of high school. Who can tell me who won the Oscar for Best Actor that year? Does that name come up for anybody? No. Okay. Who was the pitcher for the team that won the World Series? No. Okay. Who won Miss America? That gets in all the papers and on all the TV shows. No? All right, well, we'll start over. I'll give you a different quiz. Still thinking back to your senior year of high school. Who can name one adult that had a positive influence on your life that year? Alex, Kathy? Who can name a person who led a group that was significant in your spiritual formation? Any names? I see more hands. Who can name one friend that helped you through a difficult time that year? Lots of hands. And finally, who can name one person that made you feel appreciated and loved? Good. I hope all of you remember at least one person. Which quiz was easier? The one filled with fame? The one who has people who were in the record books, people who was face was on television, people whose name was in the newspaper? Obviously not. It was the ones who actually influenced your life, 
the ones who were in a one-on-one -on -one relationship with you that had a lasting influence on who you are today. Now, some of the names that came to mind who influenced your life, maybe those people are still with you. Maybe they're still part of your life. Or maybe they have passed on and they have claimed the promise of resurrection. This month in our Central Chimes newsletter, on page two, there's a daily prayer calendar. And it gives you a prayer prompt for each day to remember someone who has died and someone specifically who affected you in a particular way through their life and through their legacy. Most of the people who will come to mind will be people that you knew directly. On November 1st, the prayer prompt invited us to pray and give thanks for someone who helped us grow in faith. Now, when I've used this prayer calendar in the past, my mind usually goes to my eighth grade Sunday school teacher who had a significant influence on my life and faith and who died while I was still a teenager. But this year, as I remembered and gave thanks for someone who influenced my faith, it was Reverend Bob Knox who confirmed me. He was the pastor at my home church, and he died just two years ago, and I'm so grateful for the influence he had on my life. I've heard some of you all remember the influence of pastors who have passed away in the last decade and the way that they help form and shape your spiritual life. And then on the 3rd of November, the prompt was to give thanks for someone who founded an institution or a movement that is influential in your life. Well, this is one of the few people I don't know directly, but I gave thanks for John Wesley and for the way that he influenced my life and faith hundreds of years after he lived because of the way that he proclaimed the gospel and the way that he helped form and shape the Methodist movement. Every day this month, there is a different prompt that invites you into a spirit of gratitude for someone who has joined the great cloud of witnesses. That's the term that we heard in the scripture Pat read for us just a moment ago. This term refers to those who have died in faith and who claim their place in God's glory. Episcopal priest Barbara Brown Taylor wrote, We have a need to remember those who have died, to acknowledge the gulf between the living and the dead, but also to reach across this gulf and recognize those who have gone before us and who we are certain to follow one day. In Paul's letters to the Hebrew, he is writing to people who needed to have some connection and encouragement from the ones who have gone before them in faith. The followers of Christ in the early days of the church faced a very uncertain future. It was a small group, weak and powerless. They didn't have great amounts of wealth, and yet they were persecuted by, the Rome, by, by Rome. They had this empire turning violently against them. So many of the early Christian followers became martyrs because of this. And so it would have been easy to be discouraged and to be fearful and to run away from faith. And so in light of all of these challenges, Paul writes a letter to the church to remind them of their ancestors in faith who fought the fight, finished the race, and now serve as an inspiration and source of hope for us today. When he began at the beginning of chapter 11, he names familiar folks like Noah, Abraham, and Sarah. He has named so many people that by the time we get to verse 32, where Pat started reading for us, Paul says, what more can I say? I would run out of time. If he were to go into all of the details about all of the ancestors that we have in the story of our faith. 
So he concludes this long list of the saints of God by saying, so then let us also run the race that is laid out before us, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us. This image that Paul is referencing with this cloud of witnesses is like we were in an Olympic stadium. We are the ones on the field running the race with a cheering crowd all around us, and that is our great cloud of witnesses. And so today, in the calendar of the church, we remember all the saints who have died in faith and who now cheer us on as we run the race of life. These folks live through hardships. They pass the legacy of faith from one generation to the next until that faith came to us. Some passed on the faith as a Sunday school teacher, as a pastor, as a camp counselor, some as a mother or a father, some simply by living a life that modeled the life of Jesus, some by offering their testimony about how giving and serving has changed and shaped their lives. If we read the history of Central Church, we see the names of the ancestors in faith and we read about some of the challenges they had to overcome. Folks worked really hard to raise funds for that very first sanctuary. They had the bricks and volunteers built that yellow sanctuary. That was what, where our church began. And then later on, the women of the church saw a need for expanded land, and they reached out in faith to borrow money in order to purchase an adjacent property so that they could expand the church footprint in the future. Other generations of faithful members continued in this legacy of seeing a vision that God had for this community, reaching out in faith and continuing to challenge the hardships, knowing God would see them through it. I saw the same thing in 2017 in our Dreams to Reality campaign, when we had a vision for this building project that could only happen if we had enough money to begin the process of designing the space. And in 2017, our congregation stepped up once again and made a commitment to that capital campaign. And that is what has gotten us here to the place where we are just months away from moving home again. I remember all of those faithful folks, some who I knew and some I only know by hearing stories from you or by reading their names in our history. When we gather at the communion table every month, we celebrate that the communion of saints is with us in that moment. And so today, in a few moments, when we gather around this altar and we celebrate the feast of heaven that God has given to us, we will be in their presence once again. Folks like Terry Horning and Pete Coleman, who were so faithful to our current building project, but folks who lived generations ago who handed down the legacy of faith that we celebrate today. These are the saints of God that we remember on this All Saints. They are ordinary folks who lived a life of faith and love. There was a hymn writer who lived about 100 years ago who wrote a song, I sing a song of the saints of God. And in verse 3, she wrote, They lived not only in ages past, there are hundreds of thousands still. The world is bright with the joyous saints who love to do Jesus' will. You can meet them in school, on the street, in the store, in church, by the sea, in the house next door. They are saints of God, whether rich or poor, and I mean to be one too. So if saints are just ordinary folks, then 
What makes a person a saint? They are people who live with incredible love. Saints are people who embrace God's love for themselves and for the world, and they respond to that love by running the race that God sets before them. For some, that race is to be a teacher. For some, it's to be a preacher. For some, it's to be a doctor, a waiter, a gardener. Whatever we do in life, if our life is patterned by the love of Christ, then we too will be counted among the saints. Not because we're perfect, but because we faithfully run the race that God has sent before us. I take encouragement from another member of the cloud of witnesses. It was a monk named Brother Lawrence who wrote a book called The Practice of the Presence of God. And in his experience, he found God's presence while washing dishes. It wasn't because he liked washing dishes. In fact, it was the chore that he disliked the most, but it was the chore that he asked to do every day. And he wrote, The time of business does not with me differ from the time of prayer. And the noise and clatter of the kitchen, while several persons at the same time are calling out for different things, I possess God in as great tranquility as if I were upon my knees before the blessed sacrament. He reminds us that holiness is about inviting God into every duty, every job, every position, every act of service to discover God's presence in the mundane moments of life because they can all be done with great love. He continued on by saying, We ought not to be weary of doing little things for the love of God, who regards not the greatness of the work, but the love with which it is performed. So maybe the next time I do dishes, I will do that work with the love that God has given me. I will embrace the love that God has not just for me, but for the members of my household, for the ones who gathered around that table that day, and for the love of Christ who so often shows up when we are at the table. Whatever tasks mundane they may be, you too can do them with simple acts of love. It will be the way that you can run the race of life that God has set before you. Because it is not about doing great things. It is indeed about doing all things with love. And on those days when you feel discouraged, when you feel frustrated, remember that you don't run alone. You run with a great cloud of witnesses cheering you on by name, knowing that you too can run this faithful race. So as we prepare to gather around this communion table in just a moment, I invite you to close your eyes and to picture the faces of the ones that you know are cheering you on right now. The ones who will be part of this heavenly feast as we break the bread and share in the cup that Jesus gave us. To remember that they are here, cheering you on and calling you to be a person of great love. To run the race that God has set until the day comes when you take your place as part of the great cloud of witnesses. Until that day comes, let us stay encouraged to run with faith. Thanks be to God.